I almost cried this week when I finally got to sit down one-on-one and spend time with my friend Vicky Zancanella. So Vicky, I'm going to welcome you to the stage, and uh, we're going to have a conversation this morning. It's a different kind of sermon, which uh, these days I like preaching different kinds of sermons, and I think that it helps you to take in information differently. And um, and so we're going to have a conversation this morning, Vicky and I, and uh, it's going to be apparent why that could be helpful uh, in a few minutes. But let me introduce my friend to you. We've known each other for a long time. I think probably since the year 2000, so that's 23 years. She started teaching third grade here at Chico Christian School, and she taught third grade from the year 2000 to 2012, and she taught my Catherine and Michael as third graders. Bless your heart. Thank you (laughs) so much for doing that. And you were at that time a single mom. You were... You were raising your daughter, Jaylee, who we've come to love and adore, and she was just a little girl then. And you walked in the dome one day, and someone said what? How did they redirect you to come in through another door? So, you know, when you're in a big church, you usually have your same parking spot outside, and you walk through the same door all the time. So I was always walking through this door over here. My friend Connie um, she was teasing me one day. She said, you should, you should walk through that other door over there. There's a really cute usher over there. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, what the heck? I'll, I'll, I'll walk through there. So I did, and I met my husband, Mark. <laughs> Mark Zancanella, a single dad, right, who was raising his daughter. And they met, they dated, and it was so fun to watch. And then they married in yep. 2008, and I was so honored to be a part of that. Yep. And as a couple... You have had over 20 short and long-term international exchange students in your home, haven't you? We have. And what an amazing ministry. Church, this is a picture of what it looks like to have a heart for the nations and and love and have the kingdom come close. And it's, how has it been for you to have all those students in your home? You know, it has been, it's been a huge blessing. I think more than Mark and I ever realized it would be. And, um... I think one of the things I love as a, as a teacher, that's just who I am, I love sharing experiences with young people and watching them have that experience for the first time. And so if you, many of you as parents, you know, when your kids are little, it's their first Christmas, it's their first, you know, whatever those events are, it's so fun. Well, we got to experience that over and over with every new student doing that new experience again and again and um, watching them just soak in um, learning and the American culture and asking questions, um, even spiritual discussions. And um, it has just been really fun. In fact, our last student, he's visiting um, home in China and he messaged me this weekend like, hey, how you doing? We had this long conversation and he was just sharing things that he's going through and I was trying to feed life back into him and encourage him. And it's just those things that just, it's like lifelong relationships you build. So so I want, I want that to be a seed that's planted in your heart. You might be in a position, or it may be that you're going to be in a position the next year where you could have an exchange student. And um, we would love to connect you at, at Neighborhood Church. We'll connect you with uh, some of the folks that are doing that. It's a great way to actually do missions right here yeah. at home. You don't have to leave in order to reach the nations. Absolutely. Now, Vicki, you have been a volunteer in our children's ministry <laughs> for a lot of years. A lot of years. <laughs> and uh, that is a key 
ministry yeah. that she's a part of. And we're really proud of that. We always want to highlight children's ministry because it is so critical for us to be raising up the next generation of radical Jesus followers. Yeah. But you've also been working for Michael and Catherine, not to be confused with my Catherine and Michael, (laughs) Michael and Catherine Redman at Half a Bubble Out, and you've been there for the past 11 11 years. 11 years. That's your work family, and I know that's been um, (laughs) an amazing space for you, and your daughter, Jaylee. Tell us what's going on. She got married to Matthew Lister, and... And they're expecting a little girl in November, and so we're just super excited. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this weekend we got to see them, and um, it was just really a blessing to to see Mark get to speak to her belly and and talk to his granddaughter, and that just was like, oh, so good, so good. So I wanted you to get a little bit of context on who Vicky is before we begin sharing, and you know it. it your life, it has not gone always, always so smoothly, no. but you have a loving husband. You have an incredible work environment. You have meaningful yep. ministry. You have a grandbaby on the way. You have lots mm-hmm. of great friends. You've got community and support, but it was exactly a year ago yep. when you went to a ro- routine yearly doctor's appointment and they ordered a test to check things out and the results of that test changed the trajectory of your life dramatically. Yep. So tell us what's happened in the last year. Yeah. So, yeah, it was exactly like Andrew said, last August, I had my routine um, annual women's appointment, and I was just sharing some small symptoms that I thought weren't really a big deal with my my doctor, and she said, you know, that doesn't sound like premenopause. I think we probably just need to do an ultrasound and check that out, and I thought, okay, great, because I just hadn't had peace with where my body was at. Like, I knew something was off. Um, and so that's just a plug to just, when you know your body's off, check it out because you're probably right. Um, so I had an ultrasound the next month, um, September 23rd actually, and I saw the test results that night in my portal and I knew, you know, there's a big mass on my ovary. It was probably bigger than the size of my fist. Um, and I had no pain. I had no, you know didn't really know that it was there. Um, and I got a call that night from my doctor and she was like, we need to get you over to UC Davis as quickly as possible. The next week I was at UC Davis with a great um, gynecologic oncologist. Um, she was amazing. And um, she just said, well, whatever it is, we know we need to get it out. So we need to get you scheduled for surgery. And in the meantime, we'll do some tests and kind of figure out what we're looking at. And that next week, had all those tests, and within that Friday, I was in surgery. So from the time I knew something was wrong, there were 16 days that I was in surgery, and we knew it was endometrial cancer in my uterus and ovaries. Um, We just didn't know kind of where it was until surgery. So that was quite the whirlwind, a quick um, push, and I think it was just the favor of the Lord opening doors getting me in to see the right people. Uh, A cancellation happened so my surgery could happen quickly. Um, And that was, I felt through that time just like, yeah, the Lord was like, boom, 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 boom. And it was just amazing. Um, Again, had the surgery and um, October 7th. And um, the good news is that she got everything out and there was no evidence of cancer anywhere else. So that was a huge um, praise and good news. They did have to take 36 lymph nodes out of my abdomen. Um, 
And so when they did the tests afterwards, they found a little bit of the endometrial cancer on the outside of my uterus. And so what they said is, we'd like to do chemo just to make sure ev everything kind of gets killed and, and washed out and um, make sure there's no cancer roaming around. So then the journey was November through March. I did chemotherapy treatments every three weeks. A few did get pushed back from different complications, infections, and just getting my body reestablished and stronger. But I was able to finish chemo the last day of March. Um, and then the next step was supposed to be radiation. And I didn't have peace about that one. And I talked to my radiologist. We had a really good long conversation. And he basically left the decision up to me about what I felt peace about. And I felt peace about saying no. And so I did not do the radiation. And since then, I've just been working on getting my body stronger and you kind of moving forward with um, some of the different side effects and um, just reestablishing my strength and my health and my body. Um, and now the plan is to do a CT scan you know, every six months, have the follow-ups, just monitor. And the, the CT scan that I had in April, there was no evidence to, of disease. So that was a huge praise. Um, yeah, very, very thankful for that. Um, and so now the, the next, you know, the next phase is I'm not, I'm not considered cancer-free um, by medical community until um, after the five years, and then I can say I'm cancer-free. So right now it is the long, the long game of um, taking care of myself and monitoring my symptoms and doing those checkups and uh, trust in the Lord that he has healed me. It would be easy to say, yay, and then I'll go home. But there are so many things that Vicki has received from the Lord through this process. And we wanted to spend some time this morning not only sharing this story, but then talking about what are the things that the Lord wants to teach us in the midst of suffering. Mm -hmm. Because probably you may be in a similar space. Maybe it's not a cancer diagnosis for you. Maybe it's difficulty in a relationship or finances or other things where there is this long journey. And what are the things that we can grab onto from the Word and from God that will help us be overcomers and not victims? Mm -hmm. Help us to step into a place where with God's strength, we can still say what Philippians says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens mm -hmm. me. Not be in a space where we say, oh, well, I guess I can't do that anymore. That's not for me. But to really go after being persevering in prayer. And so um, I guess there's, there's a number of different things that we're going to talk about. Um, there, it started with a word, I think, uh, for you. Um, so can we start there? Because you got a word that I think was significant and it led you to other words. Yep. So during the October, when I was healing from um, just a full abdominal surgery, which was a pretty major surgery and uh, it took a bit to heal from that, I just, um, as I was praying and asking the Lord, you know, what, what do you have for me in this? Um, he, the word prevail came up over and over again. And even people speaking to me and praying for me. Um, so prevail was the word through that fall, that end of the year last year that I just kept um, holding on to and knowing um, that I was going to prevail over all of this. And you got to 
January 1st, and you were asking questions about this word. So January 1st, um, I know it was a Sunday morning where there were testimonies going on on the stage for kind of that new year, right? And you have to remember at this time, through, well, October, I was home and I wasn't able to come to church. Um, so I was watching on the stream. So shout out to all our tech people, all the volunteers, everyone. What you do matters. It sustained me for months and months and months. And so I just thank you so much for what you do. Um, and through that, I was watching from my couch um, the testimonies. And Don Rogers was sharing about um, praying for a word for the year and some of the words he'd had in the past and the word that year. And, and I know that's something a lot of people do, and I've done in the past. In fact, my word for 2022 last year was just be, which if you know me, that's not me. I do. I don't just be. <laughs> and so it was 22 was a year of God just telling me, just be. Nope. Don't try to strive. Don't set goals. Don't like try to go after things. Just be and learn how to be. And that was hard. But now looking back, I know he was preparing me for surgery and chemo where literally all you can do is just be. Like you just have to rest and sleep and, and be. Um, and so in this, when I had the word prevail, I was like, Lord, okay, prevail. I get it. Like I'm going to conquer. I'm gonna, we're going to overcome this. We're going to prevail. But how do I do that? And so on that Sunday morning, as we were praying for the word to be revealed, I was just asking, Lord, how do I prevail? Because I know prevail is my word. And the, the second word that he brought to my mind was the word surrender. And I'm like, but I want to prevail. I don't want to surrender. Those seem opposite, right? And it was very clear that he flipped it around and said, you're going to prevail by surrender. And in order to do this, you need to surrender so that you can prevail. And I just was like, whew, okay, that's, that's a, a good one. So I wrote that down and on my page in my journal for January 1st, that's all it says. <laughs> I didn't write anything else down, just prevail by surrender. Well, the following week, Chris Ballant was preaching. Can you guess what his topic was? Surrender. surrender. And Andrew sang a song he wrote I wrote that a song Sunday. that week about surrender, and we sang it. And so when that happened on my couch, I was just like, okay, that is a confirmation if there's not a confirmation. Like, I just knew, okay, this is my word, Lord, and I'm going to hold to this promise that as we surrender, we're going to prevail. Now, the Lord gave you a mental picture about this, that surrender isn't putting you in a place of being a victim, but actually being a victor. Talk about yes. that. So actually, that was this week as I was reflecting on my year um, and questions. Actually, it was before we met even. Um, I was actually doing acupuncture for some issues I'm having in my leg, and you just have to lay there and relax. And so what better time to ask the Lord, what do you have for me right now, Lord? And so um, this, this phrase came up again for me, the prevail by surrender. And I was like, Lord, what does that look like? And what I had is that picture of um, in, a, in a war when um, an army or, or um, the military is surrendering, they wave their white flag, right? But then they are taken by the opposing army as prisoners of war. 
And I had the, the kind of a picture of, um, kind of like in Band of Brothers and some other war movies that you've seen, just the prisoners shackled with their hands shackled, their heads down, walking in that line, kind of between um, two sides of the opposing army, and they're walking as prisoners, kind of off to be taken to prison, and they're just downtrodden, right? And, um, and I was like, Lord, but that's what, is that what surrender looks like? And he was like, no, in your, your case, surrender, you're not on the opposing army. You're on my side, but you have surrendered. And instead of being taken prisoner with your head down, you are not a prisoner of war. You are my princess and you're a princess of peace. And I had a picture of walking through that line of the army on both sides with my held, head held high and my hands not shackled but lifted high, praising my God as I'm walking towards his castle that he has for me. Not a prison, um, but his, the house he's building for me. And so in that, I also felt like, well, if this army on both sides of me is not opposing me, what are they doing? And he said, well, actually, that's the army that's turning around and fighting your battle for you because you don't have to because you've surrendered. Mm. And so I had that picture this week of what that looked like for me. And um, it was a, a blessing to my heart, but I felt like more it needed to be spoken to you as whatever battle you're fighting, um, that you're not a prisoner of war and to break off those shackles and to walk with your head held high, knowing who you are and having that peace instead of the war raging, that there's a peace because that battle's being fought for you. Right on. So prevailing through surrender really results in peace for you. Talk about peace in, yeah. this, in the midst of this war, this chaos of yeah. cancer. Yeah. Um, so for me, when people ask, how are you doing? Um, it's interesting because... Um, first of all, I'm going to say, I know that everyone's journey in cancer is different. I, if I've learned anything, it's that. Everyone's journey is different. Every treatment, every step, every um, feeling and emotion, it's, it's different for everyone. And so in my story, I don't want to dishonor anyone else's story because every story is unique. But I'm sharing my story because it's what God's done for me, and I want it to be an encouragement to you. I'm not a comparison. And so, first of all, when people ask how I'm doing, I'll just say, I have had peace, like crazy, miraculous, amazing amount of peace that is only from the Lord, um, because it is definitely not by anything that I've been able to do or by human creation. It is completely um, given by the Holy Spirit and the Lord um, through this. Um, and I can honestly say, I have not um, given into fear this whole entire time. It has been amazing. There's been a few times where I started to feel it a little bit rise up, and I went, oh, no, no, <laughs> we're not doing this. I'm going to take that thought captive. I'm going to take that feeling captive, and I'm going to lay it at the Lord's feet, and I'm going to claim peace over myself. Um, and honestly, it has been miraculous, the peace that he's given me. 
So there is some contending for peace. We sang a song, I'm no longer a slave to fear, but I'm a child of God. A lot of this has to do with understanding who you are, what your identity in Christ is. If you are in Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus and he's filled you with his Holy Spirit and you're his child, then you have an identity that is different than the world and you carry a peace that the world cannot give. And so Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's the one who offers it to us. And yet we have to oftentimes position ourselves in a place to receive peace from him and be willing to say, Jesus, I don't know how to do this. Or I'm feeling the fear rise up and, and, and I need your peace, right? Um, and I know for my husband, as he was walking through this with me side by side, he never left my side. Just, I can't ask for a better partner. Um, in this. He was so gracious, so gentle, so kind, and so patient with me through this. Um, and I know for him, fear would try to rise up, and he'd have to claim it um, for himself, too, because I think a lot of times it's harder for the people watching than the person going through it sometimes, um, because I knew what I was feeling, and I was, you know, taking all those little steps, and I know a lot of times my husband just felt helpless, like, how can I help? Um, and so that was just a journey. I know he has his own testimony out of this. But the verse that just came up over and over and over again for us, um, and I know it's one I feel like that is starts to become a little bit of a Christian cliche, which is Philippians 4, 4 through 7. And I'm going to read it because I think, although sometimes we can get numb to it because we hear it so often, it is truth. It is God's word, and it is true in new situations each time. And so in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And for me, it was the, again, by prayer and petition, putting those requests at his feet, and then the, his peace, which again was miraculous. It transcended any understanding. I couldn't explain it. There was no way I could create it or make it happen, but it was definitely him. Um, and he guarded our, our hearts and our minds through this process. And so this verse became even more and more real to me um, with the peace part. Um, and again, do not be anxious about anything. That's been all, a verse that always runs through my mind if I ever get a little bit anxious. But this time it was like just at another level. Now, it is true that you, uh, what's the word? you aligned yourself, you, you put yourself in a place to strengthen your sense of identity. And I think a lot of that had to do with the rootedness, R-O-T-E-D-N-E-S, the rootedness mm -hmm. um, of being in the word. Talk about that because yeah. this, this has been a sweet season uh, for you in the Bible. And yeah. I think that's, that comes to bear here. Yeah. Um, so for me, I've always, as a, as a kid, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, um, 
but the Lord has his hand on me and my sister since we were very small. And I always had a love for the Bible and the word. Um, but I had gone through a season, I would say late 2000, like 15, 16, 17 in the teens there where I was just felt very dry. Um, and I wasn't getting into the word and I wasn't receiving um, life from it. Um, and so there, there was a turning point there where um, I just started studying the word again a lot more. I um, got involved in an inductive women's Bible study here in town that is non-denominational and um, includes lots and lots of different churches. Um, and just dove in with those ladies and um, just my love for the word just grew again. And then um, teaching here at... Um, neighbor kids in the fourth and fifth grade, a lot of times I was adjusting curriculum to work a little better for this group. And then um, when we heard that um, Andrew and then with Tammy's help, we're doing the kind of the walk through the Bible um, in the fall, we decided to do that with the fourth and fifth graders uh, last fall as well. But we couldn't find a curriculum that worked. There isn't, which I feel like it just needs to be written, but... I don't feel like anyone's done a good job of doing kids' curriculum or adult curriculum that walks really well through the Bible. Or there have been in the past and it's died off. And we got to like resurrect some of that. And so I um, decided I'm going to put this together. And we found some great um, uh, videos um, by the guy who did VeggieTales. It's Phil Vischer. Yes. Who's an Alliance guy, by the way. Oh, my gosh. They're amazing videos. So I pulled those, and we put together um, kind of just walking the kids through as the adults in the dome were walking through the Bible. And so I was putting that curriculum together and loving it um, when I got the diagnosis. And I kind of had to hand those last few weeks off to, to Terry and to um, Crystal and the, the Blackmans and Emmons. Yeah, so, um, and they, they ran with it as well and finished that up. But I just know that being that time that I was spending in the Word, I... I was leaning on, I know God's character because time and time again in his word, this is who he is and this is how he shows up. And so when this diagnosis happened, I was like, okay, God, I know your character. I know who you are. I know who I am because I've been seeing that over and over and over and soaking into it. And so being rooted in the word, um, I think really, again, set me up for this season to be able to walk um, in full faith um, of what God was going to do, for sure. I also think, as I've heard you talk, that you've made a conscious choice not to strive. Mm. Talk about that, because I think that's oftentimes mm. where we go sideways, where we just think, well, if I just work harder, working harder is never going to be the solution in the kingdom. Surrendering more, sorry, I'm preaching for a second. Surrendering more is how you get breakthrough. Because you need more of God working in in and through you. You need to create more space through surrender. For you, you chose not to strive, and that was a conscious decision. Talk about that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think partly, I think it's how we kind of teed off this whole thing was like open doors, quick, God was moving. I didn't have to do anything in those first, when it was, you know, referrals to UC Davis, get the scans, get a surgery scheduled. 
I went into it thinking, I'm going to have to advocate for myself, because I've heard that in the medical field. Advocate for yourself, advocate for yourself. You've got to fight for those. I did nothing. <laughs> like, I was just, um, just walked me right through it. And I think starting off that way, I was able to also be like, okay, Lord, you did this. I know you've got the rest of it. Um, and so that did definitely helped with that idea of just allowing him to do the work that he was doing and opening the doors. Not that I needed to make phone calls and follow up and go to my appointments and do my part, but it, it wasn't that I had to strive. And then in that, I had to rest. I took off work and um, thankfully I have amazing bosses that um, were gracious and um, said, go, do what you need to do. I had disability coverage so I could be provided for. Um, and I was able to just be and to rest. And that is something I, I had a moment, it was after one of my chemo infusions. And I remember laying on our couch and no one was home. And I was just there by myself. And I was like, wow, I have no responsibilities right now. I have no children in the home that I take care of. I don't even have a pet that I have to let out the door or <laughs> feed or water. It was literally just taking care of myself. And I'd never had that in my whole life. I've always been responsible for someone or something. And I just sat there like, wow, I've never felt this feeling before. And it was a, just a very sweet moment with the Lord and him reminding me like, again, I've got this. You just need to rest. Um, and I think that moment really helped remind me when I want to like do something, I would be like, no, 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 I am, this is a season for me to rest and to heal. Mm. Sometimes in the midst of stress and crisis, you find yourself anxious. That's the moment where if you can stop yourself and say, okay, wait a second, let's go back in time. Let me remember my past where God has come through, where I've seen him answer prayer, where I've seen him be faithful, even when things are really hard, that, that he's a God that's faithful in the midst of the difficult times. You can pull that testimony forward into your moment and say, no, this is who I know God has been. So therefore he will be that for me because he is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And so those are the moments when you find yourself in that anxious place, you have to rehearse God's goodness in the past to be able to find faith in your moment right now and faith for your future. Because sometimes the future is the scariest, especially as you're thinking about health issues, diagnoses, and things like that. And so um, there was a sense of rest and provision for you. Let's talk about provision. These are all P's, by the way. Isn't that fancy? This was her idea, by the way. I don't get credit for that. Um, provision, God provided for you guys in some miraculous ways. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I mean, some of the obvious ones are just financial, um, but I don't want to diminish that either because um, in this season, we had amazing medical coverage. Um, Mark was working and had a job. Um, he was able to still do that even through, uh, through my treatments. Again, like I said, I was so supported by my company and my bosses and the disability insurance that I had. And so 
um, we, we did okay, like we survived. But not only survived, but we were blessed by um, just gifts that people gave to help cover those medical costs that are inevitable with this um, and just some of the other costs that come up. Um, I, again, just, yeah, just amazing gifts that were, were there so that we didn't have to just survive and just get by, but we were able to live fully through this season, which was such a blessing. Um, the other thing that was um, a surprising blessing that we didn't expect um, was a meal train. It seems really simple. Um, but Mark's a really good cook, and he does most or half of the cooking at home, and I'll do the other half. And so we weren't worried. We're like, well, you know, Mark can cook, and I'll be fine. But um, we had a few friends that said, no, we'd like to do a meal train, but we want to check with you because we know like, Mark likes to cook. So do you want it or not? And we, at first, we're like, no, probably not. And then I was like, you know, yeah, we better. And oh my goodness, it was the biggest blessing. Um, just at one, when someone dropped off a meal, I got to see someone. And that was exciting because I'm a people person. So that little visit was just such a blessing to my heart. And then Mark, um, he was working full time. And so he was just, it was an emotionally exhausting time. And just knowing that he didn't have to come home and cook, that he could sit with me um, was just a huge blessing. So a shout out to Meal Train. I'm a big fan, and now if I see a meal train, even if I don't know the person, I sign up. It's like now what God's called me to do because we were so blessed by it. I've got to give back now. Um, so just a just a little plug for meal train. <laughs> it is such a tangible way to help someone in need, even if you don't know them. And sure, it takes a little bit of time, a little bit of money, a little bit of effort. But the impact, you can't even measure it until you've received yeah. it. Some of you need to say yes and receive a meal train when you get yep. to a spot. Some of you have a hard time. You're like, oh yeah, I'll bring the meal, but I'll never accept a meal. Well, let me talk to you for a second. <laughs> you need to learn how to receive. If you have a hard time receiving, this is what the Lord wants to speak to you this morning. Yeah. You need to yeah. learn how to receive. Why? Because the Lord has more for you to receive. And there is a place of humility in receiving that you need to grow into. So the next time someone offers something to you, instead of trying to show how independent and strong and un, you know, don't do that. Just don't do that. Just stop it. Yeah. As Bob Newhart would say, stop it. <laughs> and kind of on that note, another thing that was a, again, a small thing, but was a huge blessing to my heart was that from, from October, my surgery, to I, I would say middle end of March, which was basically when I finished chemo, I had a bouquet or two bouquets of flowers in my house every week. Wow. And that was just, so for me, I am not a big flower girl at all. And I will tell my husband, don't waste money on flowers for me. I'd much rather spend that money somewhere else. Like flowers just are there for like a little while and they fade away. Like I would rather it be more like, I don't know, something more meaningful, I guess, or practical. Something I'm that's not going to wilt at least. It's useful. Yeah. It's got to, you know, and the Lord had a lesson for me in that, that it was no, they are useful and this is for you. And it was amazing because it was like, different people every week. It was not the same person. I never said this to anyone, but a bouquet of flowers would either show up on my door or someone would come visit with a bouquet of flowers. And I had one 
no kidding, I would take the older flowers out of the vase and put the new ones in, and there was nonstop. And when I looked at them, it was just that sweet, sweet reminder from the Lord that He sees us, He loves us, and that these things that might seem like frivolous or extra are not. They are like, that was for me. And it was a humbling experience, too, um, that I just appreciate. And just all the people that either bought flowers. And even one, like my niece from Texas, sent me a bouquet in the mail. I'd never received one of those cool mailers in the boxes. On the, you know, It was just awesome to open them up, even a mail order you know, bouquet. Um, so that was, that was an unexpected, just sweet, sweet little um, gift from the Lord. Let's talk for a minute about purpose. Um, sometimes we wonder, what's the purpose for our suffering? And, um, you know, and, and I think that that's oftentimes, we, that's where we find the why question. God, why are you putting me through this? Any, I, any thoughts on purpose as you went through this? Mm. Because you didn't ask the why questions, which I think is kind of unique of you, Vic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I didn't ask why. I, and I think that's part of my personality. Um, I don't usually ask a lot of why questions. I'm more of the how and the when and the, the where and the what questions. But, but in this, I felt like asking the why question, it's too big for me to comprehend. God's plan is just so into, integrate and um, amazing and big that like, my mind couldn't even comprehend it. So for him to even start answering that question with me um, is too much. But I asked a lot of the, Lord, what, what do you have for me in this? What do you have for me to, to see and to pay attention to? What do you have for me to learn? Um, what do you have um, for me to share with others? Um, and what are you going to do with this? Were more of the questions I was asking. Um, and I realize that part of it is um, my story has been impacted by those that have come before me. Those of you in this congregation that have walked through cancer diagnosis, and I've watched you walk it out with grace and with strength um, and or breaking down and needing the support of others. I've watched um, you know, friends and family go through chronic illness way longer than I've, just this past year is just like a blip um, compared to what some people for years have been walking through. And hearing your stories and knowing your stories encouraged me. And I knew that my story is meant to encourage someone else. Um, whatever pieces of that God chooses to use, and he's still revealing things to me. This is all fresh. I'm still in the process of it. So I don't have it all figured out for sure. Um, but I know that... Um, he wants to use my, my testimony, my story, my experience so that I can walk alongside others. And one is um, one of the ladies from my Bible study, she was diagnosed with breast cancer, I want to say maybe six months to eight months before me. And I didn't know her very well. Um, we don't go to the same church. We're not the same friend group. So I had just known her through Bible study. She wasn't even in my small group, so just barely knew her. But I remember as a Bible study of women, we were praying for her, getting gift baskets together for her. Um, when she'd have celebrations, we'd celebrate with her. And so when I was diagnosed, um, she reached out to me or someone said reach out to her. Anyway, we got connected. And she literally was like one step ahead of me on this journey. 
and everything was very fresh to her. So she was able to share things with me that although you've gone through cancer, if it's been a year, two or three, you forget those little details. Um, and so it was even like, when you go to the infusion center, here's what to expect, here's what the nurses will do, here's the questions to ask, here's things to bring with you. It was that very like immediate, very helpful things that just made that process not scary because I knew someone had, was just right there in front of me. Um, and so those were the things that were just those blessings that I'm like, okay, Lord, you've done this through them for me. Now I want to do it for someone else. And unfortunately, it, it's already happening. I've already had two or three women that are going through something similar and I'm able to reach out. Um, and I think part of this testimony of what God has for me is that I didn't want to do this in private. And I know for everyone, there's a different level of what privacy looks like. And for some of you, it is really, you want to keep this close. I, I know people who, when they go through cancer, only their spouse knows, not even their kids, no one. And I'm like, oh, I know that's a level that you've got to learn how to be comfortable and step out of your comfort zone. But I just encourage you, don't do this completely alone or in private. Like, share, open up, even if it's to a very small, intimate circle around you, but you need that. Um, and for me, I wanted to, I just feel like I, first of all, I'm not a very private person. I'll share <laughs> lots of things with you. <laughs> um, but I knew for me, I needed to share my testimony for encouragement for you and for myself. Um, but then the prayer and what I got back, and we can talk about that, was just phenomenal. But for me and my testimony, I think that was part of it is just, what am I, what am I learning, Lord, to use to further your kingdom and to support your people, uh, your daughters, um, and to bring life and bring peace into situations so that fear can't take hold and fear won't um, prevail in their, their journey that, that maybe through some of my support or tidbits or prayers and sharing what you've done, Lord, that they would have that peace through their journey as well. The shift from the why question to the what question is I think reflective of trusting God. You ask the what question because mm -hmm. you don't, you don't go after the why, and I'm not saying you're wrong if you ask a why question of God, but oftentimes he leaves that question unanswered because we can't see the rest of the journey into the future. But I think it's reflective of saying, God, you're sovereign. You're the king. You're, you're the one who knows all things. You, we know you're working. If you've ever been working, you're you're working now and you'll always be working. So since you're working, there's an assumption here or a, or a belief is a better word that since you're working, God, I want to see where you're working. And I want to join you in the work that you're doing. And this is what Jesus did. We read about it in John 5. He only did what he saw his father doing, Jesus. So in the midst of this, our last P is prayer. Um, there was a community of people around you that certainly have prayed for you. 50 or so of us wearing our orange rust colored uh, Team Vicky hats. And um, there were people praying for you that didn't even know you. Kind of mm -hmm. just share that for, mm -hmm. for a minute. Yeah, so um, prayer was a huge part and that came with community. So it wasn't just my prayers and even like my husband's prayers and our immediate family, but it was a community. Um, and 
I think, one, having a husband who will pray with me, pray over me, um, when I had no strength to pray for myself, um, having that was huge. Um, I also had um, my sister and my daughter um, as my close family, um, just praying over me. And also my niece, um, she had her fourth grade class up in uh, Christian or Trinity um, classical Christian school up in Bellingham, Washington. The whole fourth grade class was praying for me this whole time too. And so that was really fun to know that, um, you know, these little ones were praying for me. Um, but having like Bible study, um, church family, um, even, you know, when I shared a post on Facebook or an update, I had, um, you know, friends from high school that would reach out um, and just saying they were praying for me. And I think this process for me is I really felt, I felt carried this whole entire time, even after my, my surgery, which, you know, was a huge abdominal, open abdominal surgery. After they took the pain catheters out in the hospital, I was a little nervous, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, wait, you're taking them out? What, what already? <laughs> I was like, not sure how this is gonna go, but I, I didn't have pain. I didn't have to take the hard pain meds at home. It was miraculous. I mean, I did the ibuprofen, Tylenol, on and on, you know, a little bit, but I almost probably didn't even need that. And I just felt like completely carried um, through um, healing this from the surgery, through chemo, through the complications um, that were not comfortable with the chemo. And just being, I just felt lifted. And I, I realized um, this week, um, Someone shared, I think it was Ashley Bracewell, shared a, a post on Facebook, just, you know, fun little thing. But it was that reminder that when um, the four friends in Mark 2 brought their crippled friend to Jesus, they carried him to Jesus, and they couldn't quite get to Jesus, so they went through the roof. They lowered him down to Jesus, and Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, but it was because it said Jesus saw their faith. It wasn't just his faith, but it was the faith of the friends. And I know um, without a shadow of a doubt that it was your faith, it was my community's faith and prayer that carried me through this. And um, the Lord just delighted in it. I know that he just, it, it just delighted his heart to see his, his kids rallying around me, his other kid, um, but it was, I think, more about their faith, your faith, too, in this process, and that just really, um, yeah, I, that was the, one of the ways I could explain when people said, how you doing? I said, peace, and I just feel literally lifted. Um, it was, again, supernatural, miraculous feeling that was nothing I was doing, um, but it was definitely prayer. Galatians 2, 6 says, bear one another's burdens in love. And when you look at that word for burden, it's like something too heavy one person could carry. Mm -hmm. And it's just that burden that there's no way this huge boulder, imagine that, and getting your shoulders underneath with someone else. Oftentimes, we don't know how to get our shoulders under, and so we don't engage. And I want to encourage you, church, as a, a spiritual community, as a family, we need to ask, how can I help? And sometimes you're going to get, just pray for me. Well, then 
put a sticky note somewhere so you remember to pray for mm-hmm. someone. There's nothing worse than saying, oh, I'll pray for you, and then never do it. Write it down somewhere. Help yourself remember. Put a string around your finger if that's what it takes. So why, at least bearing the burden in prayer, but then what, there's meal trains. There's other more tangible things. But one, one last thing that I wanted to mention, you guys live on a corner, and um, this, sometimes you don't love being on the corner in the middle of God and everybody, if I know Mark at all, but how did this play into this? Yeah, so we live on a corner and um, on Eaton Road, and Eaton Road has now opened up, and you can get all around Chico on Eaton Road, so it seems like everyone's driving down Eaton Road now, and it's not the nice, quiet little street we used to live on. It's pretty busy, and we hear engines revving and cars going by all the time, and that's not always fun when we want to enjoy our backyard, Um, but what was fun, so again, I was basically isolated through chemo just to stay safe because my immune system was not able to handle any infection. Um, Praise the Lord, I never got sick. I did have a few infections that were able to be helped with antibiotics and all that, but I never got sick. So that was a praise. And I stayed home on the couch watching, you know, Sunday morning and talking to people on the phone or having text conversations or seeing people one-on-one. But What I missed was being in community. And then when I, just the last month or two, come back to church, when we went, we got to go to family camp last weekend, which was a huge blessing to be there. Uh, Yes, plug for family camp. That was awesome. Just to be in community again was like, oh, I have missed this so much. And yet as people came up to me, or I see people that I haven't seen, um, like in the store or somewhere, A lot of them have said, every time I drive by your house, I have said a prayer for you. And I went, oh, Lord, what a blessing to be on the corner where we're visible and everyone can see us. And I'm like, it might have been your engine revving that was like, oh. (laughs) But, But just knowing that we were like physically being covered in prayer as people drove by our house, I didn't know that. You know, we didn't know that. It's not like those people texted me right after they prayed for me as they were driving. We don't want you doing that. Don't do that. You know, don't do that. So, but just knowing that we were covered in prayer as people drove by, just again was another one of those really sweet, sweet blessings. um, Prayer driving. Who knew that it could be a ministry? You're all doing (laughs) prayer driving now, right? (laughs) Any last thoughts before we close up here? Um, No, I just think, um, you know, I know my journey's not over. I know this isn't um, completely done, but I know the Lord um, has completed it. I know he's healed me. um, And yet I know I have to still walk it out, right? And take care of myself and do the things that I need to do um, and and walk in faith. But also, um, I want to just keep that picture of for myself of me lifting up my hands and lifting up my face and lifting up my eyes to praise him, to see him, to see what he's doing and where he has us going. Because I know this has been a transition. Um, We're in another transition where my husband's looking for a a new job and it's came unexpectedly and we're like, okay, Lord, you're doing something. And we're not asking why, we're asking what and where and what do you have us see? What do you have for us next? And so in that journey, um, again, I just want to lift up my eyes to my heavenly father, the king of kings, and um, our Jehovah Jireh, 
um, the Elroy, like all of those things that he is, um, all the names, the Prince of Peace that he is, um, and to be able to be here to walk through that stuff with you too. Um, and know that Mark and I are open. We're here to, to be able to, to love on you and to others that need that, um, a piece of that peace that we can give, that the Lord has given us, and that we may continue to, to give that away as we have received. And so I just, I just praise him and I thank him and I'm excited for what he's going to do and the journey he has us on um, wherever it goes. Thank you for sharing with us, for sure. Yes. You're very welcome. That's my wife. <laughs> so good, right? All right, why don't you stand? And um, uh, prayer teams, if you'd come forward, uh, two quick plugs I want to make. Uh, the first is for life groups. And this kind of community that she's talking about, that's what you find in a life group. As much as we'd like to know the person sitting right next to us that closely, we'll know exactly what's going on in their life. There's something about a regularly meeting, doing life together um, that is so powerful. And so I want to plug that. Also, this young lady has been nominated for our governing board and her term would start if elected in September. So I, I want to take the opportunities when we have people on stage that are leading so well behind the scenes and yet we don't talk about board members a lot. We don't parade them in front of you and say, look at these great people, although they are amazing people and they are my first team that lead and help us move toward where God wants us to be. So I'm really excited about that role in Vicky's life as well. So prayer folks, come forward. My sense is there's more prayer that needs to happen than normal. So if you're a leader, uh, you're someone who's been in the church a long time, Mendens, uh, just turn around over here and pray for anybody who comes down. I'm, I'm going uh, to call a couple people out into the prayer team this morning. Haps, come down and pray for folks. Um, all right. Yep, you know who you are. Just come down if you pray for folks. None of this like weak sauce response stuff. Because you heard something this morning that you know God's starting to like tap you on the shoulder. By the way, Vicki will also be down here if you want to come and connect with her. But Jesus, I pray that you would quicken our hearts, that we would be ready to receive. We'd be, we would be willing to humble ourselves and say, this is where I'm struggling. This is where I need peace. This is where I'm suffering. And this is where I, I need God to meet me in the midst of this. And so, Jesus, come close to us and help us to let our guard down so that we can receive the peace that you have for us. Thank you for Vicki. Thank you for how you have sustained her. I pray for miraculous, creative miracles of new lymph nodes for her right now in Jesus' name. We pray for a new job for Mark, which is perfectly aligned with his temperament, his character, and his desires. And we believe, God, that you're going to meet us in whatever we're facing this week. And I pray a blessing on this church family meeting here as well as online in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Great. We'll see you next week. Come down for prayer.